Welcome into The Harvest, a podcast dedicated to helping you take the message and the mission of Jesus into the everyday places of life. I'm Andrew Stroud, and on today's show, I'm joined by my teammates Abigail and Lakeith, and we start season two with a discussion of discipleship. Now, if you followed our Facebook Live series that we did back in February on living the ancient faith in modern times, or if you caught some of the bonus audios we posted in March, then you know we've been talking about this subject over the past few months. And that's because discipleship is foundational. It's foundational to our identity as disciples of Jesus. It's foundational to the message of the gospel. And it's foundational to our mission in the harvest. So what better topic to kick things off this year? Now, this is going to be a two-part conversation. Today, we cover what we described as the pull of discipleship, how Jesus calls us to come and follow. And on next week's show, we'll be talking about the push of discipleship, how Jesus sends us out to go and make disciples. We hope this conversation brings you more clarity on what discipleship is, more inspiration to pursue a life of discipleship, and some practical ideas to help you grow. Enjoy part one on the basics of discipleship. Well, hey guys, we are back. It's season two of the podcast. Back. Andrew Stroud here. I've got Lakeith with me here in San Diego, and we're joined by Abigail Wilson over in San Antonio. How have you guys been? Yay, it's so glad. Good to be back with everybody. Um, It feels like forever. Yeah, it is so nice to be back. Um, the break was awesome. I think we feel recharged, we're motivated about season two. So yeah, it's it's exciting. Yeah, there's actually been quite a bit that's happened. I mean, the break was really only uh, two, three months. Um, and we did some stuff, obviously, during that time period. But one of the things that we got to do was come together as a team. Abigail and Brett, you guys came over and hung out with us here in San Diego for uh-huh. a few days, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> but um, there's been an ongoing conversation and debate here in the local area about who has the best Southern California burrito. So I want to ask your opinion as an outsider, someone who came in and was able to indulge in the tastes of San Diego <laughs> Um, (laughs) yeah, it was, Uh, it was intense. I mean, I am still recovering, um, as far as like how tight my pants are, um, you know, months (laughs) later. So it was, uh, just to express to our listeners just how insane it was. Um, I never felt the feeling of hunger, like from the moment we landed until we left. I mean, it was a lot of food. (laughs) That's true. Um, I, (laughs) I think the big thing that stood out to me was not the burritos. It was the crazy fry situation that you guys have going on there. <laughs> um, the yes. stuff that you decide that like needs to go with fries is beyond my comprehension. I mean, it was like everything, including the kitchen sink, on top of fries. Right. And it was really good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We have uh, something called carne asada fries here. So it's just a huge container of fries covered with uh you know beef or you can also get guacamole cheese and then they also tried the adobada fries and those were equally as amazing and uh we all we ate them all we made it through the the whole cart (laughs) (laughs) we ate them all and it was 
it was really crazy. I like I said, I'm still recovering months later. Um, my favorite part of the whole trip was that we we were you know going there to do some planning for Into the Harvest, which we were super psyched about, and to eat food and to enjoy the California weather. All those things were happening, but what we didn't know is that we were coming in on Lakeith's engagement weekend. <laughs> And so that was for sure a highlight and a surprise. So congratulations, oh, yeah. Lakeith and Stephanie. Thank we're super you. excited. Yeah. Yeah, Abby and Brett pretty played a huge part of that. They were involved <laughs> in a secret mission to try to surprise my fiance. And uh, they were also at the house when I got down on one knee and called dibs on Stephanie. So, yeah, I appreciate Aww. you guys being a part of it. It was really, God was good. It was awesome. Yeah, definitely. Lots going on here in our lives and on our team, but we are excited to be back doing season two of the podcast, and we've got um, we've got a lot of exciting things coming up. We're going to do roundtable discussions like we did last year. We're going to be doing one of those in this first episode and the next, uh, but we're also going to be doing more interviews this season um, with folks that are in the harvest or folks that we believe are going to help you as you try to live out your faith and make disciples in the harvest, in the everyday places of life. Um, also, I definitely want to do some Q&A shows, and so hopefully we'll get some great feedback from you guys and be able to do some shows that are tailored specifically to things that you want to hear answered, uh, topics that you want to hear discussed. So all of that's coming up. Another big change this year is that we are going to be doing a weekly podcast. Last year, it was every two weeks. Uh, this year, um, every Thursday, there's going to be an episode of the podcast out. So definitely make sure you subscribe and tell your friends about this particular podcast. And uh, hopefully we can really be an encouragement to you guys here in 2019. But today and in our next episode, we're going to be talking about the basics of discipleship. And when our team talked about some of the main themes that we wanted to discuss on the podcast, this one was really uh, primary, because I think it's the foundation that everything else is going to flow out of. So today we want to talk about discipleship. Hopefully we can break it down and, and clarify, bring some focus to what discipleship is, why it's important, and how you can begin to live it out, and how you can begin to help other people uh, live it out. So that's what we're going to be doing, and we're going to be talking about that both in this episode and the next we're going to do that by describing the pool of discipleship, which is what we're going to talk about today. And then on our next episode, we're going to talk about the push of discipleship and how both are essential for us as we, as we follow Jesus. So let's just start off with a basic definition about discipleship, because I think it's a word that many Christians have heard and they've got an idea of what they think it is. But, um, but they might have trouble really clarifying and simplifying, hey, this is what discipleship is all about. So for me, a very simple definition of discipleship is this. Discipleship is living a life of devotion to Jesus, period. So when you and I are going about our lives, trying to live them with a devotion to Jesus, that is the basis of discipleship. That is, that is what discipleship is all about. So I want to ask you, Abigail, and you, Lakeith, is there 
how, how does that definition resonate with you? Is there anything that you would add to it or uh, any, any way that you would make it more clear? I guess for me, I mean, that's a perfect definition in my opinion. Um, but I, I think the other real key thing is just getting away from a passive faith. Um, just uh, taking in and not really doing much um, or not really being involved in our spiritual relationship with Jesus. And so I feel like discipleship is taking the action step. It's really um, kind of getting up out of our pew, so to speak, and actually being involved in that relationship with Jesus, which is what discipleship is all about. Yeah, I would I would second that. I think um it's what Jesus called people to. He didn't uh uh Andrew came up with a quote that's quote that said that Jesus wasn't looking for fans but for followers and you see that so much in the New Testament and the gospels where Jesus wasn't just calling people to acknowledge him or to respect him, but to follow him and to be devoted devoted and committed to him. Uh and not for a season but for a lifetime. So I love that definition of a life devoted to Jesus. I think that's spot on, Andrew. I've been reading in the book of Acts, and it's really interesting because for the gospel, they use a phrase, the word of the Lord. And as you're reading the book of Acts, you'll see that phrase come up over and over and over. That, that was the message that the apostles and the early disciples were proclaiming, the word of the Lord, which could also be rendered the message about Jesus. It's very specific. It's not just scripture but they were passing on to others the word of the Lord. And then for discipleship, the way they described it is the way of God, and, or they'll just talk about the way. And so I thought that was really cool that these two themes of the gospel and discipleship, the word of the Lord, the way of God, these are two topics and themes that Christians have been concerned with front and center from the very beginning. So uh, we're going to talk today about the way of God, the way of living as a follower of Jesus, which is this life of devotion to Jesus. And I, I love what you said there, Abby, that it centers on action. I think for me as a as a young man and then as a young believer, that was something I really struggled with. First, because I didn't really see how does the Bible, how does faith really interact with my daily life? Somehow I got this idea that faith was a, a belief system that, that primarily took place in our minds or in our hearts. And so it was something that was happening on the inside. And then heaven, of course, was something distant and in the future. And so I really struggled to know, well, what do I do in the meantime? Now, now that I have this faith in Jesus, what do I do between now and heaven, which is where discipleship really comes in and I struggled with that partly because I just didn't, I just couldn't wrap my mind around God being concerned with how one person like myself chose to live his life. But as you read the scriptures, it's clear that God is very much concerned with how we live our lives and with the daily choices that we make and whether or not we're living a life of devotion in those daily choices. So, um, let me ask you guys, in terms of motivation, why should we be concerned about discipleship? What is it that motivates you to live this life of devotion to Jesus? Yeah, I think the thing for me, as we were talking about a little earlier, that Jesus called people to follow him. And um, 
I think, to take the attention off of self and to put it on Jesus. Uh, you see that theme so much in the Bible. And uh, I think the people who've had the impact on the world today as, as believers have been people who've, uh, who haven't been self-centered, who've actually been uh, centered on Christ and their life devoted to him, who've uh, really made a difference. So I think that motivation uh, kicks in for us to know that this is our chance. Uh, the baton has been passed to us and this is our opportunity to make an impact for Christ uh, because who know, who knows how long we get. Uh, I don't think anyone can pinpoint that. So uh, why not have a, have a lasting impact for God, for Jesus? Yeah, I think um, the last, uh, this last week in our church time, we've been working through Genesis of all books and uh, we just got to Noah and uh, I was really struck this time around by the the description of the world at the time when it was destroyed. And I thought, this is exactly the world today. I, I mean, word for word, we look like this today. And the only difference um, for why we have not been destroyed is because we have Jesus and that he promised to not destroy the world again. And instead, he sent his son to stand in our place. Um, and I just think moments like that, anytime I'm reading scripture and I just see a picture of Jesus and just what he did for me, um, it just it just sends me back to that desire to serve him. And in this case, to be a little bit like Noah, to stand uh, different from my neighbors and different from the world around me. It can be very hard. Uh, the world is always sucking us back in. But I think just seeing that uh, that juxtaposition between Noah's devotion to God and being surrounded by literally everyone else was not following God. Um, I think that is really what what helps make that choice every day. It's just what Jesus did. I really, I, I didn't deserve it. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a big one for me is the worthiness of of Jesus, um, that he's the one who has been given all authority, all power in heaven and on earth. Paul tells us in Philippians that a day is coming when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so discipleship is simply living life with that in focus, that, that Jesus, he has been given all authority. He, he is Lord of all. And like you said, Abby, he's, he's done so much on our behalf that a life of discipleship is partly motivated by gratitude. Um, I think it's also a motivation for me that one day we will stand before Jesus and we, we will have to give an account. Jesus told several stories to his disciples that made this clear that, that he was like a nobleman who was going away to a distant country and would be gone for some time and, and that he was going to entrust his possessions to his servants and that he expected them to do business, to, to be active and to grow his interests while he was away. And then when he returned, the very first thing that he was going to do was call these servants before him and that they would have to give an account for how they had gone about business while he was away. And so discipleship is, is motivated by this, this knowledge that one day we will have to give an account to Jesus that we're, we're not just out here doing whatever we want to do with no consequences, that we've been bought with a price and therefore we're supposed to glorify God 
with our bodies. So if we understand the basics of what discipleship is, just at a very basic level, it's living this life of active devotion to Jesus, and we have the motivation, um, I want to highlight before we really dive into a deeper look at discipleship, that there are a couple of faulty approaches I think we can often fall into when we want to, to be more committed to the Lord. And one is what I would call hyper-intellectualism, and the other is hyper-emotionalism. So hyper-intellectualism says, I have faith, and I want to be serious about that faith, and so the way I'm really going to go about being devoted to Jesus is to just go deep into the Scriptures and to study them and to become as knowledgeable as possible and to become as doctrinally and theologically knowledgeable as I can, and then I'm just going to live there. And what really counts is having the right beliefs intellectually and then making sure that other people know the right doctrine and that they also agree with that. So I would call that hyper-intellectualism. The other is hyper-emotionalism, which is driven by a desire to feel close to God. And that's, that's how I know that I'm really committed and that I'm devoted to Jesus is because I have these experiences, these, these emotional experiences where my heart feels close to God. And oftentimes that will come as a result of listening to praise music or singing praise music or perhaps really getting connected with a charismatic Bible teacher and becoming a huge fan of that person, whether it's locally or, or online. And we exchange this feeling of devotion to Jesus for actual devotion in the everyday of life. And discipleship is always about what's happening on the outside. Um, ultimately, it's this life of motion, of activity, and ultimately it's, it's a life of obedience. And Jesus himself lived this life of devotion to the Father. He learned obedience from the things that he suffered. So I want to kind of throw that out at the outset because... We're going to start talking about the pull of discipleship. And then, like I said, next time we're going to talk about the push of discipleship. But it's a reminder that Jesus is always going to be calling us to move out, um, to move in obedience to him. So let me, uh, let me ask you guys, do you have a favorite verse that captures discipleship for you? And uh, what do you like about that verse? So I never have just one verse. So that was just like a, a horrible question. So <laughs> um, I I do think, though, I the first thing that comes to mind for me is uh, just really all of Luke 9. But since you're making me um, be more specific, just uh, that if you I, I think in verse it's probably like 23 or 24, you know, where Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself. And take up his cross daily and follow me. To me, that's just mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. sums it up. For one thing, it talks about it's a daily thing and it's a denying myself thing, which is really important if I am going to want to be like Jesus. If I'm going to follow him, then I have to put myself aside. And that tends to have to be a role, like you were saying, an action. Um, it's not a passive movement. Um, if there's passiveness going on then like self is just gonna slip back in almost immediately <laughs> at least for me 
Uh, that's just me. But um, And then just talking about the taking up of the cross, which is such a very vivid, vivid picture of just the dying that is involved with discipleship. Um, the people he was speaking to for sure, like immediately had a mental picture of what he was talking about. And I think, boy, that's challenging for me because I always try to have like a really positive and uplifting message and like, you know, like let's really sell this. And like Jesus, he's not like the super great salesman here. I mean, he's basically saying um, that following me requires you to die a brutal death. Um, and uh, I think that's actually pretty cool because it's so it's so honest um, about what we are getting involved with when we get involved with Jesus. It's really stripping of me and putting Jesus in its place, and that takes work on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Well, since Abby took liberty and uh, used more than one verse, I felt, <laughs> uh, felt entitled to do the same. So I'm over here in John chapter 1, and uh, yeah, the disciples uh, were inquiring of Jesus. They were very curious. And chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus turned around and he says, uh, What are you guys seeking? And this was the first and I think only time that Jesus actually invited someone somewhere. So they asked him, uh, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said, come and see. And uh, I love that invitation because it wasn't them inquiring about his teaching or what synagogue he belonged to or what body of believers. It was, where are you staying, Jesus? And he invited them into his life. He said, come and see, and you'll see what I'm teaching. You'll see what I'm doing. You'll see my devotion to the Father, you'll see the way I approach outsiders. And uh, I love that that picture of discipleship, that it wasn't just like Andrew was saying about the intellectualism and the hyper-emotionalism. It was, uh, it was living life together and that Jesus was going to show them how, but they had to be close enough to come and see. To It would take faith to come and see. So I think we're inviting people to do the same, like not just see where we, where we go or what, what we do, but uh, how we live our lives and how we live out that devotion to Jesus today. So I think if I had to choose a couple verses, <laughs> it would be in John chapter one. Yeah, I love that too, Keith, because it really, you know, discipleship is driven by our understanding of Jesus. So if Jesus is a man in motion, and I believe that he is, I believe that he's active on the earth today, then just as those first disciples were going to have to follow him. They were going to have to respond to Jesus and continue to move so that they stayed in step with him. In the same way for us today, even in modern times, discipleship is all about living this this active life of obedience. But what you really brought out there in John 1 is that it's centered on Jesus. So it's not just activity for the sake of activity, but it's activity that keeps us in step with Jesus. So um, I love both those passages that you guys shared. For, for me, it's, it's a passage out of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is writing the believers there at Corinth, and he uses this analogy, which might seem strange to us. He describes himself as being a matchmaker. And so he, he's writing to the Corinthians, and he says that, that he had been the go-between uh, for them and Jesus, and that he had introduced them and that he had brokered this engagement, that they were, they were going to get married, that the Corinthians were the bride of Christ, and that 
that Paul had introduced them to Jesus and that one day they were going to, to meet Jesus and this wedding was going to take place. But Paul said that he, he wanted them to be like a, a pure bride um, on the night of her wedding. And so the time between now and the wedding um, was a time to be devoted, to be committed, and to live faithfully uh, to Jesus as the bride, as the bridegroom. And so in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says that he was afraid, lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, their minds should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And I've always liked that verse because it tells us that there's an enemy who is actively trying to disrupt the harmony of this relationship between us and the Lord Jesus. And it's the serpent. And just as he was there in the garden trying to trip up Eve and Adam by leading their minds astray from simplicity and purity of devotion, he's going to be doing the same in our time. And so devotion to Jesus should always be simple. It should always be pure. Those are the things that should characterize my discipleship, my life of devotion. Anytime following Jesus is becoming overly complicated, to me that's a yellow flag that something's not quite right. Uh, devotion to Jesus is supposed to be simple. And then anytime it's becoming insincere uh, or impure, then that's another yellow flag that, man, uh, I'm off track somehow because devotion to Jesus is supposed to be pure and the enemy is going to constantly be trying to, to trip me up in those two ways at least. So let's, uh, let's talk about our own journeys. I, I shared just a little bit before, but Lakeith, how about for you? When was it that things clicked in your life and you began to realize that Jesus actually cared about the way that you lived mm -hmm. and that he wanted you to come and follow him. How did that play out? Yeah, that's a really good question, Andrew. And uh, I think if you really search the scriptures, you'll see that God's method has, has always been people. So uh, when God wants to make something happen, even if it's between people, he'll use a person to be his messenger. So uh, I think I spent a lot of my days in life so far. I'm 29, guys. You, you know my age now. But uh, I think when I was a young man, around 22, I was really wrestling with this idea of following God. So God sent a man to me who really helped me through this process uh, and spent, you know, about a good year with me. And uh, because we were in the military, uh, we were going to get pulled away from each other. And uh, for him, that was natural. It was, it was, hey, man, we're, you know, that's that's the duty. But for me, it was like, man, well, who's going to help me? Who's going to guide me? Uh, so when I came out to San Diego and met uh, Andrew, he really challenged uh, me to stay here in San Diego. And it was on a trip to Chicago. We were in a, in a car and I got to see him following, following me to see my family in hopes that I will follow him later as he followed Christ. And uh, that was a really powerful picture for me because I understood that this was going to take more than myself. It was bigger than myself. So I needed someone to help me. So I think it really clicked in the car that, man, if I uh, want to keep this going, then I have to be in a position to uh, to come and see his life, to come and see the way he followed Jesus. And and uh, it clicked at that moment. And, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, we're still we're still going after it that way and uh, inviting people to do the same. And uh, something as simple as a location is very practical because 
the disciples in John chapter 1 had to come and follow Jesus. They had to come and see. And uh, I really had to decide to do the same. So I think that's when my gears were turning the most. And that's when I really learned that uh, following Jesus was going to be costly, but it was going to be worth it. So, Yeah. How about you, Abby? Yeah. Um, man, I really wish that my story wasn't so similar to Keith's because I <laughs> – but it is. Uh, but I really just – I, I, uh, and maybe they, they do tend to be that way, but I just, I want our listeners to know that this could happen in a less dramatic fashion than Keith and I, but, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but it was dramatic. I, uh, I think the really, I remember it very vividly that the, the real shift in my life was when I'd graduated college and, uh, I really wanted to stay where I was, uh, in New Zealand, uh, I had gotten a job offer, like New Zealand is a pretty sweet country. I wanted to stay there. My friends were there and I, I really felt strongly that I needed to go back to the States, uh, and that that's where God wanted me to be. And it was maybe the first time ever that I had really clearly, uh, thought, oh, you know, God really wants to be involved in my day-to-day life and that it's an actual action of me choosing to do this thing that I don't really want to do. And then in doing that, it put me in a position where I couldn't rely um, as much on kind of the things we were just talking about, especially hyper-emotionalism. I for sure uh, had probably been doing a lot of that, and I was just kind of all stripped away, and I really just had to dig into the Word as I was kind of um, felt alone spiritually there for a little bit. And uh, and find uh, good biblical teaching and my church there and just make these choices uh, that I had never really been uh, asked to make before. And it was like the Lord was really saying, are you willing to lay down these everyday things that most people would think are very practical, like a job offer or, you know, where you live and and give them to me instead and see what I'll do with them? And I think we can, you know, even though our two stories are pretty dramatic, I, I do think that you can pick that up and do that at any time, that uh, those are the daily decisions that we make as part of discipleship. And that can happen in any stage and even with very small decisions. So, um, but our stories mm-hmm. are dramatic, which is probably better for podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think um, just to go back, because with, with the hyper-intellectualism, something you said uh, struck a, a chord with me, Abby. I think one of the dangers of of hyper intellectualism or hyper emotionalism is that they really can become substitutes. I, I think false substitutes for true discipleship. And so, instead of moving in obedience to to something that Jesus is calling us to, or changing um, a behavior that we have because we know that that's that's what He's wanting then we can try to substitute you know doing more study or feeling more close to god and it's it's not a trade that that works it's not true discipleship and so well um, and don't you think like that both of those have the tendency to to tell you that you're not ready um, with the intellectualism, like there's just never enough that I can yeah, learn. I mean, true. really, I just don't know enough. And I, I do feel that way a lot, especially even on our Into the Harvest blog. I can feel very um, 
just a vulnerable putting stuff out there and knowing that there are people that know a lot more than me. And in the same way with emotions, you know, like, oh, I need to wait until I feel like I want to do that thing, you know. And with both of those, there's that that lie about waiting um, that play into it. I'm just, well, just wait until you know more or wait until you feel like it's, you know, you feel it and not just know that you should do it. So, yeah, I agree. Right. And, and we're not anti-intellectual, anti-emotion. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I would just... say, I mean, <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> right. We're just saying, you know, another thing that they do is they really make it about us. So it's, I need to know more or I feel close to God and therefore true discipleship is happening. And Jesus can oftentimes be a secondary consideration or, or maybe even just left out of the the question altogether. So we're just saying that those can be faulty ways that we try to pursue a life of devotion to Jesus. And they're incomplete if they're not matched by a life of actually following him and obeying him in our day-to-day lives. Right. Because those are going to play a part, right? I mean, we do need to learn more. We do have to have an intellectual component to our faith. And, you know, I... You really threw uh, worship music under the bus, but I personally really love it. <laughs> so, I'm just kidding. I know you weren't really doing that. So yeah, we, um, we really, I think, you know, we're just pointing out that we don't want the pendulum to swing too far in those directions. Yeah, because I think mostly in the, the West today, either Christians live lives of apathy where they're not even trying to pursue Jesus or I do think that these two other paths uh, where we go all in on intellectualism or we go all in on emotionalism become the substitutes. That there, there are very few believers today, I think, in the West who are really understanding and trying to live a life of, of, of true discipleship to Jesus. And so that's, that's really why we want to mention those two things, that we don't want to stop short. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny. I got a perfect uh, trans- transition questions for you guys. And Abby, we'll actually start with you if that's all right. But do you have a favorite way of communicating discipleship to people you're investing in? Because like you said, this is a huge concept. So what's your go-to on communicating uh, discipleship to those you're investing in? Um, you know, I as much as I am a words person, I, I think actions are really better when it comes to discipleship. And just inviting people to come along and and watch our lives um, and and be a part of our lives. Uh, you were describing, you know, your relationship with Andrew there of, you know, him inviting mm-hmm. you to to come to San Diego and and really watch his life. And that's I think a really key thing because it's inviting someone to see you. Um, do it well, but also do it badly. It's all the things. Um, and just being really um, just honest and and vulnerable about what it means to do it daily. Um, I, man, daily is just the biggest part for me um, because that's slugging it out. Some days I wake up and it's a good day. Sometimes I wake up it's a bad day. And yet, being a disciple of Jesus should be the same on all of those occasions. And so really having um, someone 
just get to look through the window at that or, or walk along with you in it. Um, it's really great. I think that's one of the best ways if you are trying to figure out discipleship is to find someone who has some fruit in their lives and some elements of this in their lives and then just like, you know, invite yourself over. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about for you, Andrew? That was good. Abby, you got you to gotta go too, man. Yeah. So I've got a, a simple illustration that I like to share. It's out of Matthew chapter four, and it's the calling of Jesus's first disciples in the gospel of Matthew. So pretty famous story. Jesus is walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he sees two brothers who are casting their nets into the sea because they're fishermen. And he calls out to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And it says that immediately they drop their nets and they begin to follow him. And then he goes a little way further down the shore and he sees two other brothers, James and John, uh, in the boat with their father. And he calls to them in the same way. And they also leave the boat. They leave their father with some of the other workers and they begin to follow Jesus. And I like to, I like to share that story because it's really the starting point for discipleship, for those first disciples. And I think that there are a lot of parallels for us, even in modern times. And so one parallel is that Jesus is a man in motion. As you read that story closely, Jesus is on the shore, but he's not just standing still. I think when I first read that story in my mind, I pictured Jesus kind of walking up to the boat, standing there and giving them this invitation. But I actually upon closer reading, believe that he was walking along the shore. That's what the text says. And as he's walking past, he invites them to come and follow, which creates this tension. Now there's this moment of opportunity. And I think that's why it says that they immediately left their nets and followed him is because he was quickly becoming smaller and smaller as he moved away from them in the same way, I think that Jesus, there are going to be these moments and you guys have both talked about moments in your life when I would say that Jesus was walking past the boat of your life. And there was this opportunity to begin to, to follow him and to get to know him. And you guys both responded to that invitation. I think the same is true for us that there will be these moments where the Lord is inviting us to take a step and, it will often involve leaving something, which was true for both these sets of brothers that Peter and Andrew left their nets to follow Jesus. Later, James and John left, their, left the boat, left their father to follow Jesus. And so there is this element of being willing to sacrifice or to, to change what you've been doing so that you can follow Jesus. Um, and then I like to break down, well, what did it mean to follow Jesus? Those two simple words, follow me. It meant at least three things. One was Jesus was calling the disciples to spend time with him. That's the first thing that, that he was inviting them to. Secondly, to learn from him. So not just follow me, get around me physically, but follow me in terms of learning my teaching and begin to live your life by these teachings. That's a second meaning behind those two words, follow me. But then ultimately, a third meaning is to become like me. And so these two simple words, follow me, they're actually loaded with life-changing intent that Jesus is calling us to spend time with him so that we can learn from him, so that we can become like him. 
So I like to share that that little story from Matthew 4, and then I, I like to follow it up with a challenge for people to respond to, because it does start with spend time with me. That's the number one way that we respond to the call to follow. And so as I'm sharing that story, I don't want to just give them a cool story that they can they can feel good about, but I want to end it by asking them, would you like to begin spending time with Jesus? Because that's the number one way that you respond initially to this invitation to discipleship. And uh, most times people do. They, they do want to actually walk with Christ and learn more about him. So that leads into, like Abby was saying, an invitation to, to spend time together reading the Bible and praying. Maybe the next day we try to set up some time. Let's, let's get together and I'll show you how um, I spend time with Jesus by reading the scriptures, by prayer, and by listening to what he has to tell me. So that's, that's a favorite way that I've used to try to introduce the idea of discipleship to folks. But how about you, Keith? Yeah, that was, that was really good, guys. I think um, I want to communicate the end goal up front. And uh, they may, that may sound a little confusing, but I have to give a shout out to my good friend, Thorne, because we play a lot of board games. And uh, I often find myself like uh, asking, like, OK, what's the point of the game? Like, how do you win or how is the game <laughs> over? And he's always concise at that point. He, he's, he's really good at getting, hey, you collect 10 of these, you win the game. You know, you, uh, you make it here, you win the game. And uh, I think for me, it can be similar in discipleship. I want to be able to communicate to the person I'm investing in that, hey, it's going to be worth it. So I think Acts 4.13 is a great verse to communicate the end goal. And I'll read it. It says, now when they recognized, I mean, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And uh, man, I think that's so key that at some point people can recognize that we had been with Jesus and uh it's a process it took time but that's the end goal like uh we want people to uh to be able to see that we've been with Jesus and the people we're investing in have been with Jesus and uh I think that gets me really excited to know that we can be like our Lord and uh that relationship starts now and uh it, it goes on forever it, it doesn't have an expiration date so uh, having that end in mind and communicating that effectively for me is really important when I'm uh, communicating discipleship to others. Yeah, I hope that makes sense, guys. Yeah, <laughs> it does. I actually like that a, a lot. Um, when we talk about Jesus being alive and Jesus being active, those are the two foundations for following him. If Jesus weren't alive today, we couldn't follow him. We might learn about him and we might be inspired by his life, but we could not actively follow him. And in the same way, if he was not active, then the same, same thing. There's nothing to follow at that point. So discipleship really shows that we have an understanding about the true nature of Jesus, who he is and what he's up to, and that he wants us to be a part of that. We're talking on this episode about the pull of discipleship, and it's really based out of Matthew 4.19, where Jesus says, come follow me. And there's that, so there's that sense that he's pulling them towards himself and to what he's doing because he wants them to be a part of it. And those are the first words of Jesus in Matthew's gospel to his disciples. The last words of Jesus in Matthew's gospel are, are in Matthew 28, 
verse 19 and 20, where he says, go therefore and make disciples. And so you have these two bookends of following Jesus. Uh, I would say they're these, these two, the give and take of discipleship, to come and follow, to go and make disciples. And both of these are essential if we're going to be living a life of devotion to Jesus, that we'll be in constant motion. We'll be coming and spending time with him and then going back out into the world to represent him and to share um, his truth with others and to live by his kingdom's values in a broken and fallen world. So let's wrap up, guys, by talking about what are some of the major obstacles that you've experienced or that you've observed that keep people from responding to this first part of discipleship, the, the pool of discipleship. What are some of the major obstacles you've experienced and how have you overcome them in your own life? So, Abby, what would you say are some of the, the big obstacles that you've bumped up against? You know, I think just to combine the the kind of the two things that you said, um, one, Andrew, you kind of pointed to the fact that you have to leave something behind um, when you follow Jesus. And then Keith was pointing to, you know, that that was worth it, you know, the end result of what you get. And I think the obstacle can often be that we get so wrapped up in what we're leaving behind that we can't see or, or even believe maybe is the better word, what we are about to experience by pe- being a disciple of Jesus um, it's it's almost hard to explain just the the real joy that you find there being in Jesus' presence. But if you haven't experienced it yet, or um, if you're kind of getting bogged down in the world, uh, then that can be it can be hard to leave behind. Um, and so I think for me, it's uh, and what I've seen um, time and time again is just that the world starts to to lie to us, and we start to believe it, uh, whether it's uh, you know, success or even just busyness in general, um, those things can just start to, to whisper their lies of their importance. And it can even come to, to me in like really Christian-y words, you know, like, well, you know, this is a good thing that I'm doing. Like this is, I'm helping someone or, you know, I, we, we really need this, this really awesome career so we can, you know, support all the missionaries, you know, like there's so many things that um, I've seen and caught um, myself and the tricks that the world seems to throw at us to, to to kind of di- distract us, I guess, from from that that call of discipleship. So I think for me, it's it's that there really has to be a walking away uh, when it comes to discipleship, and often the pull of the world is is tough, and we have to be aware of it. Yeah, I think that's true. That so many times, I think we try to to tack discipleship onto the rest of our life and how we're already going about living our daily routines. And then we just try to add Jesus in. Um, yeah. That's, like, again, that's not probably, really, <laughs> it probably just won't fit into your schedule. I mean, I just, I, I've yet to meet someone who's deciding to make this change and this shift in their life that was like, Oh great. Well, you know what? It's, I've already got this huge free time set aside. I'll just slip it right in there. You know, like none of us are that way. There's always going to have to be some give on our part. Yeah, absolutely. Keith, how about you? 
Yeah, I I totally agree, Abby. That was really good. I think uh, for me, I've seen that it's not a natural thing. Like uh, discipleship is not a natural thing. It's never the popular option either. So even in Jesus's time, uh, you know, throughout the four gospels, you get pretty much 12 disciples and one of them didn't make it, you know. <laughs> so there were other people around. But, you know, how did Jesus focus on a few when that wasn't the popular thing to do in his day? And uh, how did he not get caught up in a traditional way or the traditions of the elders so that he could focus on the things that God wanted. So uh, I think it's the same for us. Like it's countercultural. It's not natural. Uh, and it's, it really is hard. There's a cost to following Jesus. And I really liked what you said, Abby, about it being uh, thinking about what you left behind and how much that costs, because that can be a hang up uh, for a lot of people. So for me, uh, I think it starts, some of these obstacles start with, with uh, prayer and, and trusting God that he would bring a, a few people into my life that would be receptive to me as the messenger and, and to his message about his son and just knowing that God's spirit is working in the background uh, in these interactions in the New Testament. You often see uh, God speaking to a person who's praying to him like in Acts 10 and then God speaking to another person who's praying to him. And, and somehow he brings those two paths together and uh, they start they began on this journey of discipleship. So, uh yeah, despite the obstacles and despite the things uh, that may come, discipleship isn't isn't popular, but it's costly and it's worth it. But uh, if we really want to model our ministry and our lives after Jesus, I think we have to do what he did and, and be willing to invest in, in a few and uh, and pay the cost that he paid to, to keep his message going. You know, there, there are so many things, there are so many obstacles that will work against this life of devotion that um, we actually did a, a series of overcoming episodes at the end of last season. And we're going to do another one here um, in just a few episodes, but um, there's no shortage of obstacles that can keep us or can short circuit this life of devotion. Uh, one of them though, that, that came to mind as, as I was thinking about this question was just good intentions without follow through can be a major obstacle. And I was thinking about, a passage from Matthew chapter 8. And uh, let me just read it for you guys. In Matthew 8, starting in verse 18, it says that Jesus saw a large crowd around him and he gave orders to go to the other side of the lake. So Jesus was getting out of there. Even though there was this large crowd, um, he basically said, we're moving out. He gave orders to go to the other side of the lake. Then an expert in the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have dens, birds in the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Uh, but Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And then verse 23 is so boss because it says as he got into the boat his disciples followed him and so you had a couple of people show up in in this passage that expressed commitment so the first guy said i will follow you uh, and then another guy said let me first go and I, I forget what speaker i heard but he really keyed on those words me first and I think a lot of us as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we want to follow Jesus, but me first. There are some other things that we want to do first, and then and then we're going to go. But the problem is Jesus isn't waiting around 
for you first. He gave orders to go to the other side of the lake. And at, at the end of the story, when he got into the boat, his disciples were there with him. So whoever's not in that boat is not a disciple. He's not following Jesus. No matter what intentions he had earlier in the story, there wasn't that follow through. And so that's just one obstacle that I think we have to be aware of and, and we have to work to overcome is not just letting ourselves off the hook because we have these good intentions and we're, we're going to get around to it, but just you've got today. Are you following Jesus today? Are you being available to him? Are you putting him first or is it still, is it still me first? Oh, those are such good verses. We need to do a whole series on that. Those were actually my discipleship <laughs> verses, but you made me pick one, so I had to change it. But I'm glad you talked about it. So yay, it got in there. There we we worked it in. Well, we this this episode was all about the pool of discipleship, and we we tried to set the stage for what discipleship is as well. But we're going to talk on our next episode about the push of disciples discipleship that Jesus is calling us to go and make disciples, and we want to. We want to know how to do that more effectively. So uh, we'll continue the conversation with our next episode. But speaking of continuing the conversation, we really want to hear from you guys. What are your favorite verses on discipleship? So Abby, what's the best way for our listeners to keep the conversation going? Yeah, I think um, just head on over to our Facebook page. We will be posting this episode up there on the page so people can access it. And if you just want to comment and leave us maybe your favorite discipleship verses. And I, yeah, that's right. I said verses because I'm really just super (laughs) gracious and I'm not even going to make you keep it to one. So we would love to hear from you. Um, this was a pretty uh, substantial topic, and we know we didn't even scratch the sur- surface. So we want to hear from you, and we would love to see you over on our Facebook page. So see you there. Well, guys, uh, I'm excited to be back with you all, and I'm excited that we're getting a chance to continue this this uh, podcast with our listeners. So we'll do it again next time. Yeah, thanks, guys, for listening. We appreciate it. Good times. Thanks for listening to the show. One of the best ways you can partner with us to grow our community is to share this podcast with your friends. Whether it's word of mouth or sharing our content on social media, we need your help to spread the message. Thanks for being part of our family. Together, we're bringing discipleship into the digital age.